Three, four? There you go. All right. <laughs> Birthdays. Do we have any this week? Jesus, Jesus around hmm? Just around the corner, right. <laughs> what about anniversaries? No anniversaries. In that case, let's turn to uh, hymn number 290. Our God reigns.
Number 162. What a friend we have in Jesus. Father and God, we thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege we have to be gathered together in your house this morning. Lord, we can't thank you enough because you have adopted us into your family. We are a child of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the universe maker. Wow. Thank you, Lord. What a privilege. Lord... You tell us to come boldly to the throne of grace. That's where we have the privilege of coming to the most high God and to request of you anything. And as long as it's according to your will, you will grant it. So Lord, we ask your blessings upon this service this morning. We ask that you will touch every heart. 
and help us, Lord, to understand you more deeply so we can serve you more completely. We ask it in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 260. Come share the Lord. We gather The meditation I chose this morning was uh, once deformed, now transformed. It comes from uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The uh, movie 
The Elephant Man is a story of a deformed man who achieved dignity. Human dignity includes a sense of personal worthiness. The belief that human beings were once created in the image of God. That they have a purpose for being here. People should not be deprived of human dignity simply because they are poor, deprived, or deformed. People are still people, although although in a spiritual sense, sin has deformed them. Sin has caused them to lose the image of God. That is, the righteousness and holiness of which Adam and Eve were originally created. Sin has transformed them to evil, to the image of Satan whom Jesus called the murderer and the father of lies. What a distortion. What a deformation. All who live in sin are depriving themselves of the human dignity that God desires. God, however, has intervened to change the spiritual and moral deformity caused by sin. He has acted to change us back into his image and thus to resume, restore us to the human dignity of being his children. To do this, more was required than to apply a Band-Aid. Outward reform that is no more bad or antisocial habits is not enough. The Bible calls for regeneration, a being born anew, a coming to faith in Jesus Christ as the Redeemer from sin and as our Lord, loving Lord, who leads us to newness of life in him. Transformation describes this change and this attainment of true human dignity. We must not let this regeneration get away once we have it. We are reminded that backsliding is avoided when we grow daily in the faith and the life in Christ. Do not transform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How? by the Holy Spirit, through the gospel. Amen. We'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that each one of us has been deformed in some way in our past, spiritually, mentally, or physically. When Jesus came into our hearts and changed our poor, deformed nature, to a much higher power than self. We can be transformed by your saving grace if we will let you do and change our hearts and steadfastly let the Holy Spirit guide our thoughts and actions. 
We need to pray and strive to let Jesus' example lead our lives to be a light to a dying world. Be that light and be transformed from a sinful past. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Let's take a few moments just to uh, just to talk to God or to listen to him. As Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room to celebrate the Passover, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, gave to each of them, saying, This is my body broken for you. Eat ye of it. And after they had eaten, he took the cup, blessed it, passed it among them, saying, This is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Let's stand for the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Turn to number 268. Maybe a little unusual for this time of year, but uh, the scripture this morning, the sermon this morning is on uh, the resurrection of Christ. So uh, we've heard of Christmas in July. There's no reason at all why we can't have uh, have uh, Easter. Easter in November. Right. Thank you. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose, with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose of 
shelter from the dark domain And he lives forever with his saints to reign He arose, he arose Hallelujah, Christ arose Vainly they watch his bed Jesus my Savior Vainly they seek the dead Jesus my Lord Up from the grave he arose With the mighty triumph for his foes He arose a victor from the dark Death cannot keep his prey, Jesus my Savior. He tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose, he cried for his foe. Yes, he is. Rosa Sharon. Brother Mitch, you're on. You just had to wait till I was sitting down, didn't you? Halfway down anyway. <laughs> Good morning. Morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? It's even better when we're having a baptism. God is good. All the time. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I was teasing Bob this morning. I asked him if he knew what I was preaching. He said, what? I said, a sermon. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he appreciated that very much. <laughs> oh. All right. So, how is the world treating y'all? Yeah. Actually, the world's treating you terrible, but God is treating you good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. You know, that song we sung, we sang it <clears throat> a lot, talking about how <clears throat> through Jesus we're made one. And I don't know if we always consider the significance of that or not, but when, you're, when you become one, if you hurt, I hurt. If you're filled with joy, I'm filled with joy. We're all one. That's the only way it can be. That's the way Jesus meant it to be. 
All right, so we're starting uh, chapter 28 this morning. Jesus has arisen. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb and afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Wow. Wow. Miracle of miracles here, folks. Miracle of miracles. You think about all that has happened up to this point. And hopefully I don't step off into the baptistry. I'll try my best not to because, well, you know, don't want to make a big splash. But, <laughs> uh, you know, Jesus and his disciples were in the upper room for this last uh, supper, which has become what we just celebrated, the communion, the Lord's table, where we sit around. And, you know, something I learned from a video I watched recently is that the way that in their culture in that day, the way that they looked at things was much different than the way we look at it here in America today. If they had a piece of bread and they broke the piece of bread into two and they gave one to someone else, they didn't think there were now two pieces of bread. They said there is one. When you eat part of it and I eat part of it, that makes us one. And that's what the Lord was doing with his disciples. And that's what he did with us just now. Makes us one with him and one with one another. Because that bread all comes from the same place. He is the bread of life. There's many things we miss. But as they, as they were taking this meal that was the Passover meal... And at that moment, when he began to say the things that Bob shared with us this morning during the communion, that's when it changed from the Passover meal to the Lord's Supper. Part of that had been fulfilled. The rest is yet to come. But Jesus 
was a promise from all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That was the first promise of the one to come. Now that part's been fulfilled. But Jesus wasn't done yet. And he told them, one of you is going to betray me. And of course, they all looked at each other and looked around. Surely you don't mean me. Surely you don't mean me. All of them thought, no, I would never do that. Well, I used to think that too. I know better now. Uh, I try not to, but I know that from time to time, I'll let him down. Can you say that? I mean, if we don't be honest with ourselves, we can't be honest with God. Uh, So, you know, here, John asked, who was it? And he said, the one that dips his bread with me, or when I dip this bread in, I give it to him. And it was Judas. They still didn't quite pick up on it, though. They just couldn't grasp that one of them, one of the 12 that was up in the room there with him and breaking bread with him. Now, you think about what I just told you about how they felt about breaking bread. When people had a disagreement, they refused to break bread together. When they did, that was a healing. When they broke bread together, it meant, I forgive you. We are one again. Now, this is what they were doing in this upper room. So they couldn't believe that one of them who was just taking bread from the Lord would go and do such a thing. It was just unheard of. And yet, that's exactly what happened. Judas went as had prearranged and told the priest where to find him. And so they came with their soldiers. They took Jesus They arrested him, and then they had the trials, (laughs) if you want to call them that, kangaroo court. He was sentenced to be beaten severely. You know, we think our back hurts. (laughs) Uh, Compared to his pain, it's nothing. He was beaten. I put the crown of thorns driven driven down in his head so that it wouldn't come loose. They disgraced him by stripping him naked, putting a robe on him, and then mocking him by kneeling before him, making mocking statements. And then they decided to go ahead and crucify him. After all of that, after that beating, that severe beating, they still made him carry the cross beam of his own cross. And he was so weak from being beaten so much that he had to have help. As they walked, they call it the Via Della Rosa, <laughs> as they walked that way to the place of the crucifixion, Again, they're mocking, they're jeering. The crowds who are the same ones, many of them are the same ones, who said, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Now they're saying, crucify him. The devil's mean, isn't he? All of that, 
Then they drove the nails through his hands and his feet and stuck him on the cross. He went not only through the physical agony, but the spiritual agony of taking on all of the sin from beginning to end of all of mankind, all of humanity. Every sin that would ever be committed, every sin that had been committed and the sin that was being committed right at that moment. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Do we have that kind of forgiving heart? I don't. I should have, but I don't. While somebody is doing something offensive to me, most of the time I'm thinking about how I'm going to get even. (laughs) But I should be thinking about how I should love them and forgive them and help them to get through whatever it is that's caused them to have this attitude that's against God. But then he dies. He gets buried in the tomb. And now he comes back. The third day after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Sunday morning, that's when he rose. That's why we worship now on Sunday instead of Saturday. It's the Lord's day instead of the Sabbath. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, these two were present when he was entombed. Remember, they were there and they went back watching when Joseph of Arimathea was putting him in the tomb. They witnessed. They wanted to see where he was going to be buried and if it was done properly. And now they're coming back to add spices to the body to make sure that he keeps properly uh, taken care of. But boy, are they surprised. (laughs) That's a good surprise, isn't it? You go to, you go, can you imagine going to see a loved one's grave and it's open and they're not in there? You'd be like, somebody stole the body. This is not right. Poof, an angel appears and says, hey, they're over there. I'd probably have a stroke or a heart attack and die. (laughs) But this is what happens. It says there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. You know, that, that tomb was sealed, right? Remember? They sealed it with a wax seal, had rope tied around it. Well, that earthquake took care of all that. But notice something. When the tomb was open, there was no one in it. This tomb was still sealed. The door was still closed. Where'd he go? How'd he get out of there? Same way he walked into the upper room while the door was locked. He had that glorified body. But yet he said, look, I'm not a ghost. I I have flesh, bones. And he ate. With his disciples, as we will see a little later on. But, you know, the angel is described that his appearance was like lightning. Now, 
I don't know about you, but when I used to drive a truck, and especially out west, man, they had some fascinating lightning out there. They have some, some just electrical storms that are just magnificent to watch. It's scary in a way, but it's magnificent. You'll be driving along, and you know, when you're out, when you're out driving through the desert, you can see for almost 100 miles. It's flat. There's nothing there. Just you. <laughs> and I used to watch the sidewinders coming across the road, try to miss them. <laughs> and uh, tumbleweeds roll out in front of me every once in a while. But at nighttime, when there was a storm, at nighttime, when there was a storm, it was so dark that you couldn't hardly see your hand in front of you without a light. So here you have this almost total darkness, and then all of a sudden, woof! <laughs> here comes the lightning. And it sometimes spreads out and like a hand reaching out and then coming down and striking several places at one time. Just flash, woof! And everything, you can see everything just like it's daylight all of a sudden. And then poof, it's gone. And you're blind and you can't hardly see anything. <laughs> but they're saying that this angel looked like that. He was so bright, so brilliant, and, and just flashing brightness, magnificence, and glory. And his clothes were as white as snow. Wow, I think that would be enough to scare anybody, don't you? (laughs) It says the guards were so afraid of him, they shook and became like dead men. They were paralyzed with fear, literally. They were paralyzed with fear. And then listen to this statement in verse 5. The angel said to the women, wasn't talking to the guards, wasn't talking to anybody else, He specifically addressed the women. Now, folks, this is something you've got to realize. Back in that day, women were like property. They were like chattel. They did not have the right to to go and testify in a court of law because they were considered to be untrustworthy. (laughs) They couldn't tell the truth. They were silly. Aren't you glad it's not like that now? (laughs) I've met a few guys that still think it's like that. (laughs) And like me, they're alone. (laughs) But, you know, he addresses the women and he tells them the first thing angels almost always say to anybody is, do not be afraid. You think about the significance of that statement. What it means is, is that these angels are so awesome in appearance and so unexpected that your natural response is to flinch, (laughs) to be afraid. I mean, think about it. Here, I'm walking like this. If I turn around and all of a sudden there's somebody standing there, (laughs) I'm probably going to be a little frightened. Of course, that happens to me a lot. I can't see well enough to know when somebody's there and when they're not, so I run into people a lot. (laughs) But this was 
this was a miracle. And he tells them, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. He already knew what they were there for. He already knew. He said, who was crucified? He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Remember, he told them four times at least that he was going to be crucified, murdered, and that on the third day he would rise. Then he says, come and see the place where he lay. Not where he is laying. Come and see the place where he lay. In other words, it was empty. The tomb was empty. He says, after you look at that, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. You know, one of the meanings for the word angelos is messenger. So here, they're being a messenger for Jesus. This angel come, he brings the message, and then poof, he's gone. When he delivers his message, he goes back to where he belongs. And the women, it says, hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. I mean, you think about that mixture of emotion. We feel mixtures of emotions about a lot of things, don't we? Here, he had, she, these women had heard and seen this angel that frightened them, but the message he brought and the, the idea of looking in the empty tomb where Jesus' body was supposed to be and being told, no, he's not here, he's risen, that gave them joy. And I don't know about you, but it gives me joy. Every time I think about Jesus rising from the dead, it brings joy because I know one day I'll die and I'll rise too because he did. It says, and they ran to tell his disciples, but that wasn't all. Suddenly, Jesus met them. So here their joy is multiplied. Wow. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet. In other words, they fell down before him to worship him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Again. Now, I don't know about you, but if I watch somebody die, and then all of a sudden I run into them, I might be a little bit afraid. (laughs) He says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Wow. Yeah, we're having Easter in November. Easter is not just one day a year, folks. Easter is a lifestyle. We live because he lives. He rose, he lives. Yeah. He give us life eternal. He give us the ability to be cleansed of our sins because of what he did on the cross. If we believe that he is the son of God, if we accept that what he did on the cross was to pay the debt for my sins and for yours, if we will receive that in our heart, 
the way Levi has. And we're going to follow it up with baptism. Why? It's kind of a way of sealing the deal. (laughs) Jesus did it and said, we need to do it. So we do. If we really find that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is our rabbi, our teacher, and our example for life, then whatever he did, we should do. Whatever he didn't do, we shouldn't do it. I get those mixed up a lot. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one. (laughs) I can see faces change out there, so I know I'm not the only one. (laughs) Uh, You know, again, the only reason why Jesus did all of this was out of love for you and for me. I can't think of one excuse that anybody could make that would be worthy to bring them out of hell. Not one. Why? Because Jesus did everything to make it necessary for us to avoid hell. All we have to do is believe in him and accept what he did on the cross and then obey what he says. It's that simple. And then we can avoid hell. Not only just avoid hell, but enjoy heaven. And not just heaven, but heaven on earth. Because he does, as Jim's message this morning, he does transform us. The more time we spend in God's word and the more time we spend with God, the more transformed we become. The more word that you get into, the more word gets into you. And as it soaks in and stays in there, when the time is needed, God recalls those passages of Scripture at times we need them the most. Have you ever found that you, you feel challenged or frightened? Something's happening in your life, and all of a sudden you recall, yeah, but the Bible says, he that's in me is greater than he's in the world. Woohoo! I don't have to worry about this. God's got my back. You know, he's got us. He promised he would never leave us. He would never forsake. Who and why would you refuse that love? Because you're deceived by the devil. You know, I, I know I've shared this before about a guy who used to be a high priest for Satan. Ramirez was his last name. He's a, he's a preacher, a powerful preacher for God now. But when he was growing up, he was raised in an environment where they were Catholic, but they were also in the cult in Cuba. And then they moved here. And they kept up this practice. His aunt and his mother had him come to a reading of the cards. And then his mother asked his aunt to do a blessing on him because he was, his eyes were going bad. Well, he got his eyesight back, but he also got demons. But he said he felt powerful. He said, for the first time, people feared 
and respected me. And he worked and worked and worked. He said that every time there was an accident, he was there collecting the blood. He could use that blood to put a curse on the person it came from. He could kill him in the spirit. He could float out of his body and travel all over the world and kill people in the spirit by cursing them. The only people he couldn't hurt were the Christians. When Christians were praying, he said he could do nothing. And that's when he began to realize, hey, there's something to that. They're more powerful than I am. Why is that? It made him curious. And Jesus appeared to him. And he told him, get lost. (laughs) I don't want nothing to do with you. My father is Satan. He said, but I'll make a deal with you. He said, if you can prove to me that you're more powerful than my father, then I'll serve you for the rest of my life. That night, he went to hell. That night, he left his body and went to hell. And when he saw Satan, he was not what he expected. Hell was not what he expected. He thought it was going to be a place where he could enjoy. He said fear, fear, constant fear, no hope. And then Satan appeared before him as this monster that he really is. And he said, I don't know how or why, but all of a sudden a cross, a wooden cross appeared in my hand. And he said, And I held it up and he said, Satan ran from it. And he said, I knew then. I knew then that Jesus was more powerful. When he woke up, he threw away all of his occult stuff. And he wrote down a letter to Jesus saying, I will uh, from this day forward serve you with my whole life. And he sealed it, put it away, and he's got it. He keeps it as a reminder. (laughs) Now he is a mighty man of God. Why? Because Christ arose. Victor over Satan, over death, over hell. And that makes us victors, not victims. Live as We are children of God, victors over death, over hell, over Satan. We can allow these things to cause us fear. We can allow them to hold us back, but we don't have to. We can call on the name of Jesus and ask for his help, and he's always there because he rose Because he lives, we can live also. We already got the water ready. It's nice and warm. If anybody else needs to be baptized, good time to do it. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 375, Jesus is Calling. Let's stand and sing.
Amen. Levi, come up here a minute. Need to ask you a question. All right. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and do you promise to obey him to the best of your ability? I do. All right. All of God's people said, Amen. Let's go get ready. Well, uh, the boys are getting ready. I'd like to have uh, a couple of warm bodies up here to move furniture around a little bit. So, uh, if anybody's so got a back that can take it. Right. <laughs> Just take more, more out of the way. Can you folks see back there in the back? There's a table still in the way. Okay. All right. And can you see through the speakers? All else fails, stand up. Let's let's sing a little while we wait for them to, uh, to get their clothes changed. Turn to number 555. And uh, we all know that one when we all get to heaven.
Hallelujah. God is good. All the time. Stage of things here. I've had about uh, number 570 in the sweet by and by. How's that for something to look forward to?